Hello, I'm Kurt Whitesell, and I want to welcome you to the coolest and most informative podcast in the Westfield, Indiana area. What's up, Westfield? What's up, Westfield is a local chat fest to dig deep into politics, development, who's doing what, and anything else we can fit into 45 minutes of fun online. If you have topics or an interest in being an amazing guest, please reach out to us, and we would love to hear your ideas. My guest today is a Hamilton County native that lives in the big construction world, planning hundreds of millions of dollars in projects, and she wakes up every single day to make sure our Indiana roads work as efficient as possible. Please welcome Jen back to the podcast. Hi, Jen Beck. How are you today? I'm good. How are you today? Good. Is it Jennifer or Jen? Um, Jen is fine. Jennifer is okay. fine as well. I respond to anything. Okay. I'm married <laughs> to a Jen, so that okay. comes out naturally. So. Okay. That's um, fine. So I'll call you Jen. Well, thank you for doing my podcast today. What's up, Westfield? Um, yes. Jen, I'm going to have you introduce yourself in a second here, but you're with NDOT. And the timeliness of this podcast is you guys are doing a lot of cool stuff in downtown Westfield. And so if we could just talk about that and hear about what you're doing, the plans and what we can look forward to. But if first you want to tell us who you are personally, uh, professionally, where you're from, that stuff. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm from the area. I actually grew up in Carmel on the other side of the 146, as we say. Um, but I um, just loved Westfield so much. A lot of my friends actually went to Westfield growing up and I always admired the small town close-knit feel. Um, mm -hmm. When I graduated, it was a thousand kids in my graduating class, and my friends had like two hundred kids in their class up in Westfield. Oh. So uh -huh. it was a cool, uh, I don't know, just a better vibe. So mm -hmm. after college, I actually married one of those Westfield guys and uh, <laughs> moved up to Westfield. So we've lived here ten years now. Um, got two girls, nine-year-old, six-year-old, over at Sharemark Springs. Okay, um, cool. And I love the area. Um, but I work for NDOT. I love transportation. I love construction. You can see behind me, I'm kind of a nerd about it. Um, this is uh, <laughs> one of our projects over on 37. Um, I, yeah, that's really, that's me. I'm from Westfield. I love it here. Right. I'm from here. Where, and Where'd you say you went to college? Uh, Purdue. I went to Purdue, Purdue. and then I did right. grad school down at IUPUI. So what's your degree in? Uh, construction Engineering Management. Exactly what you're doing. Well, kind of, yes. Sort of. <laughs> I'm on the, I'm this... more on the front end design side management, but I still get to be involved in construction, which is fun. Uh -huh. The familiarity or the, the schooling probably helps, right? Yes. Yeah. So what is your official title and what would you say your typical eight to five is during the week? So my official title is a senior project manager at the Greenfield District. Um, okay. And a typical eight to five is something different every day. Um, <laughs> some days I'm at my computer answering emails all day or doing programming um, for projects. So project managers that end up manage a lot of projects at once. So as much as I wish I was committed to just one, I have about 50 active projects right now. Um, so there's a wow. lot of programming and updates in mm -hmm. our systems and, you know, things like that that we're working on. Um, but then I'm also out at meetings. Um, I meet with a lot of local communities in Hamilton County. Um, and I should say I specifically manage projects mostly in Hamilton County. A little bit okay. of Tipton and Marion as well, but I'm pretty focused here. Um, so I meet um, with the cities, with the county, um, mm -hmm. utility companies. So I can be out and about at meetings. I can be out in the field on construction site progress meetings. I can be sitting in front of a computer. It's whatever the day brings. <laughs> All over the place. 
But if we see a state road construction project in Hamilton County, you're probably involved in it, right? There is a pretty good guarantee I have some involvement, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> do you get to most of those projects weekly or monthly? How, do, how does that work out? Because that's a lot of projects. It is. Um, and not all of those projects are in construction. So we have okay. a five-year development time to design a project. Um, okay. And we, we program, NDOT has projects funded through, a through five years because of that development time. So I have projects that have just started that are midway through, that are almost to construction or in construction or in closeout. So there's a lot of different phases, but the contracts in construction, I try to get out weekly when we have our progress meetings, mm -hmm. um, but it usually ends up once a month, I, I can hit every job. Okay. So how'd you get this job? Is this a work up job? Did you get hired for this job? I was hired in as a project manager straight out of grad school. So right. I just fell in love with it and just worked my way up. We have a progression. So there's the associate PM, PM, and senior PM. So I have worked my way up and I'm cool. nine years in now and I'm yeah. at the senior PM level. So when you're going, when you were in college, was this a job that they, was this a popular job to go get work for the state? Was this? <laughs> it was, uh, no, um, I actually, I interned at contracting company. So I interned with Walsh okay. Construction. I worked with Pepper Construction a little bit too on, on vertical building. Um, mm -hmm. So it was definitely more geared towards the construction side for what I went to school for. I would say if someone went to school for civil engineering on the design side, they might be a little more shooed into this type of role mm -hmm. um, with the state. Um, so I always planned on going to the contracting side, okay. um, but I just... You know, when you graduate college, you just kind of throw out your application, you know, your yeah. resume everywhere. And I was like, hmm, NDOT, that sounds cool. And here we are. <laughs> it's worked out, right? It worked out pretty well. It's pretty uh -huh. fun. That's for sure. So what was your, what was the first big project you worked on? Do you remember? Uh, I would say this one, um, State Road 37 Fishers. I mean, that, I know it's in construction now, but that, that started um, 2015 and I started okay. at NDOT in 2014. So okay. Um, I have been working on that most of my career. That's the biggest job I have worked on. And to see it almost done is super exciting. And it's had mm -hmm. lots of twists and turns and it's been in the media, but um, we're almost there. <laughs> that, that's exciting. a pretty good, that's a pretty good first project, first big project to see the whole start and finish of. It was intense. And I know only being a year in um, and the commissioner at the time, Brandy Hendrickson, she's like, I think you're going to be perfect for this job. And I was like, uh -huh. uh. <laughs> that sounds scary, but I'm in for it. So, so you had, one thing you had mentioned. I want to talk a little bit about the 37 thing. One thing you'd mentioned, and there's a five year uh, planning for yes. end up, but this one is taking like eight or nine years. Um, is it because it's just so big, or how does that? How does it go from five years to eight years? So this, so five year development time is for pre construction. So okay. we took this one took actually less than five years to get to our first bid where we started mm -hmm. construction wow. um, and this job was not funded in a normal way <laughs> this okay. was more of a um, it was a big partnership um, with Fishers the mm -hmm. county Noblesville and the state and so it was more of a political conversation um, and the partnership where everyone was coming to the table so it didn't get funded in a normal way <laughs> by okay. any means um, but it took about the five-year time that typically Did does <laughs> do most of them take a five years to plan do you feel like yes um there can be quicker turnarounds but the biggest caveat is the funding source um mm -hmm. and ndot wants to leverage as much of our federal dollars as we can 
-hmm. um, so to do that, we have to plan on using on every project because um, the federal money is, it's a match. So the feds usually give you 80% and the state has to pay 20% of the cost. Okay. Sometimes it's 90-10. I mean, the split's different for the type of funding, but um, to leverage our money to match the federal, we try to get federal on everything. Mm -hmm. um, and the hoops you jump through for federal money, you can imagine, are... Uh, extensive. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's probably a lot of work. And, and do you, so, and so you're the construction or design. You're, are you dealing with the finding the money stuff? Are you dealing with that side of it? So internally, yes. Externally, okay. NDOT gets a set amount of money a year based on federal disbursement, you know, mm -hmm. calculations. So that's already there. But internally, um, a project is scoped with our technical services group. And so they, they keep track of all the data. They keep track of pavement condition, um, safety data, crash, you know, congestion issues. So the project is born out of one department at NDOT, and that's where you get your initial estimate and your initial scope. Then they hand it over to project management, um, or we call it capital program management. But then it gets handed to us of here's what we came up with. Now you go deliver it. And that's mm -hmm. where it takes five years from conception, um, where we already have the funding identified from the start, um, to letting for construction if we have funding issues in that time period when it's in our hands then yes we have to go figure that out <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> and it's do you <laughs> have are there ever times where the money doesn't work out yes um actually right now um a, a brief if you will allow me to give you a brief explanation yeah, of this issue please. and uh, is facing right now um we have a lot of money uh, being given to us from the feds and also through, you know, the, the gas tax went up a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so that gave us a lot of state money, which the state money we have a lot more flexibility with. So that was really exciting because we can actually get things done quicker with state funds uh -huh. um, and, you know, make more progress and make more direct impact for people. So I know the gas tax isn't always a great thing to hear about, but we can really do a lot more with that money. But the federal, uh, disbursements have increased as well. And it's a popular thing to fund infrastructure, which is great. But since COVID hit and we've had all these labor shortages, material mm -hmm. issues, I mean, we can't, we can't spend the money. And it's, oh, uh, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a huge challenge for us. Mm -hmm. um, and so much so that right now we're facing, and, and I've been there nine years. I know NDOT's had issues in the past, but in my experience, yep. it has not been where we have had We've been we're so over programmed because we thought we got all this money, everything's gonna be great, let's program all these projects, and then boom, COVID hits. Uh -huh. We can't finish things, we can't bid things, costs are skyrocketing. So now we have way too many projects than we can afford <laughs> at the oh, moment. Interesting. And we're trying to shuffle things around um and just get things done that we said we're gonna do. So it, it does get very challenging, mm -hmm. and sometimes we do. Sometimes we can't find the money and depend if the need's not that important, we have to cancel it or just put mm -hmm. it on the back burner until something else happens. Does the money expire from the federal? Does the federal money expire? You have to use it every year. Every year you got to use it up. Okay. Yep. Ooh, yep. That's some, no pressure, right? <laughs> no, no pressure at all. And there's no guarantee. Let's say you don't use the money. There's no guarantee or even, is there an assumption that that money will be there the next year? No, and that's the issue. Is if you don't use it, then they're going to uh -huh. say, "Hey, you're not using your money. Someone else will use it." So okay, because someone's going to get it. Someone will so get you, it, and someone will spend it. <laughs> so you say the state money is easier to spend, or it's easier to get. What what funds state projects? State money for state projects. 
what you said the gas tax yes uh what um, else goes into it do you know all that well i don't know the intricacies of it but i know yeah. the state legislature can you know allocate you know surplus money in the state budget and, mm -hmm. and there's other sources that they can designate to go towards NDOT. um but i believe most of ours comes from the gas tax right now does it um well one thing i remember when uh so I've been running around State Road 32 for a couple of years now. And I remember years ago, it was, um, I, you know, where Field Brewing is. I yep. was selling what used to be the little cottage there and to Field. And everyone would say, well, when, this is in like 10, 11, yeah. when is the state going to widen 32? And the this conversation seemed to be like, well, they're not going to talk and even start talking about that till a certain date. Do you have... And I don't know if that was true or just the room, the gossip of it. Is is that how you plan things? Like you have a date or a year that you're going to start looking at a project already figured out? Or is that um, just? Not quite, but I think different people understand what they hear different ways. So uh -huh. if a project is identified, then we might say, hey, it'll be a year until we are ready to start design because we have to procure a consultant or we have to go through a certain step in the process. But I, I think what, and what happened really with 32 was um, the locals, you know, Westfield came to NDOT and was like, hey, this needs to be up on your priority list. Why is this not uh -huh. on your list? Um, and so they kind of brought it on the radar. I don't, you know, the biggest challenge to explain to locals is why something that is so important for them is not important for us yeah. and you ha you got to put on that yeah. state perspective i mean you got to yeah. look at like westfield's number one problem is not every like there's not the state's number one problem we have um over like 600 local public agencies we get cities uh towns counties throughout the state so mm -hmm. everyone's number one priority can't be in that's number one yeah. priority yeah of course uh, yeah so we rank it on you know and from this project is a congestion problem like this is a traffic need so we mm -hmm. rank all of our traffic projects and this one just doesn't fall high on the list if it was purely an in-dot driven project so yep all right so let's go back to that so you got in-dots running around doing projects 32s out there on the radar somewhere yeah. But what really stokes it to get it going? You said that the locals, you mean like the city came to you? Yes, Explain how city, that kind of works. So the city reached out to the district commissioner at the time and just said, hey, we have a really big problem here. We need something to happen. We have development that's trying to come. Um, and it's kind of like 37 here. Like it, it's a need that's not on our radar, but when a local is willing to bring money to the table, mm -hmm. you're you're kind of, you're shifting that cost benefit um, for NDOT, which bumps it up our priority list. So mm -hmm. the fact that Westfield came to us and said, hey, we we need this done and we're willing to bring money to the table, not only to get it done sooner, but also so we can do local enhancements. You know, we're going to mm -hmm. have a whole streetscape. It's going to look great. Um, and at that time, our leadership said, yep, this sounds great. Let's enter into an agreement and get going. Mm -hmm. So do, does the state uh, dictate how much money a local needs to bring to get it on a priority or is it just the willingness? that makes it's, it kind of a priority it's definitely situationally dependent i mean it just um in this case 50 50 um was definitely fair and that's that's what i've seen our district do in other cases as well Have you? um and it, it it's truly just dependent on the project the scope the magnitude uh the impact mm -hmm. to determine what we should carry versus what is fair for the locals to bring
So do you, does the state see State Road 32 as a problem now? Yes. And now that you, and you live so close to, you're in it. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you <laughs> yes. have thought it. Do you see that you see all these other problems? Is the State Road 32 congestion and traffic a problem? Do you think from a state level? From a state level, yes. It is yeah. on our, it's on our thoroughfare plan. If anyone mm -hmm. is ever really bored and wants to Google NDOT's <laughs> thoroughfare plan, <laughs> um, it's identified as a corridor that has that has a traffic problem that will need to be looked at in the future. And that's that's our planning document. That's kind of what we work off of at a very high level to program projects. And uh -huh. State Road 32 has been on there for a while. And are people or cities or towns or counties always sending you a new street that they want fixed or yeah. a new, I mean, <laughs> yeah. is it constant? It's constant, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm sure you could, I'm sure if there was endless money and time, you would never have enough of it still, right? Yes, that is true. Uh-huh. Yep. If we had and all so the money and time, we'd do it. So then you have, you take a lot of money from the federal government, or you get a lot of money from the federal government. Where are those people at? So you're the point person really for the state in, the, in like Westfield, for instance. How are the federal, how's the federal government monitoring your progress or your work? So we have a stewardship and oversight agreement between Federal Highway and NDOT. And every state has a different agreement with their federal office and it's all dependent on what that agency can provide internally. So NDOT okay. has a very specific one um, for what we are able to provide. There's you know smaller states that might not be able to provide the same level of review and expertise to a program that'll have a little more federal involvement. But our agreement actually really delegates a lot of that authority to the state. So while we're getting federal okay. funds, we do have the feds monitoring <clears throat> what we do and they audit and you know make sure our program works, but a lot of that authority is for the state to administer. Have have you ever had them have a problem with how you're doing things? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's not fun, I bet. <laughs> no, it's not. They're and they're all, I mean, luckily our federal division office is very, I mean, if there's a problem identified, there's always, well, let's fix it and let's find a path to fix it instead of it being treated as, well, you're going to get punished and we're going to take yeah. the money away and we're going to do that. There's, they always are willing to help us find a solution when we run into a problem. So is there a, a, a gen back of the federal government here locally that is your, someone you speak with, or is it not that close? Well, kind of, yes, there is, there is you know, one person that's my go-to at Federal Highway, which they all, you know, NDOT has six different districts. So Federal Highway also has different people assigned to different districts. So I do have a contact uh, for my project development um, at Federal Highway and, and we know each other very well. <laughs> I bet. Yes. <laughs> they, um, do the cities like the way this process works typically because it's all really important to them. They have a pain point probably, or they think it's, they want they have a want do they have a hard time understanding your perspective and then how you're trying to fund yes. it from the federal is the trickle down a messy little phase there it's very complicated and and i do find though that when we explain to a local entity it's usually an elected official um the process of how you know indot has a certain amount of money and we compete with ourselves to get our own money. So we, the way we fund our projects is also through a competitive, you know, each district puts in their needs and it's all ranked on this statewide level to make sure the highest needs are getting funded statewide mm -hmm. and, and not unfairly balanced. So um, we explain that to locals that it's not that we just 
pick random projects and do them. Like we, uh -huh. we, they have to, the need has to be there. The cost effectiveness has to be there. Um, and it has to score and go through an entire process before we can even start. So what is the timeline? I mean, is that a year? Is that months? Is that years that it gets talked about before it even qualifies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, years. I would say uh -huh. some things come up, some things come up quickly. Um, but we, it takes a year from when our technical staff identifies a project, pulls together a scope, and then they have to go to central office and go through the process of getting an award. That takes a year. So it's a year from conception to funding, and then it's five years till construction. And so <laughs> and when it relates to 32 here, where in that six-year range do you feel like we are or are we you know so right right now we are at year five and a half i mean we are we're knocking on the door of construction so we have gone mm -hmm. through a lot of work behind the scenes to get to the point we're at today that's for sure so just okay and so some of the physical things that the things that we see um like property acquisition yeah uh, or and there's a dirty term that goes along with that but what is your um eminent domain what is yes. your process um of doing that just kind of the cut and dry of how do you buy property from private property owners so we get our plans done first we got to make sure we know what our impacts are um, so that we're buying an appropriate amount of right away um got to mm -hmm. be able to justify it obviously um and then we do we get an appraisal we hire you know certified appraisers we also have review appraisers and then NDOT has our own staff that reviews an appraiser. So when we come up with a number for a property that we're buying, whether it's a partial or total take, it is a fair market value that's been reviewed multiple times because um, we truly want to pay fair market value. There's the, the rumors of the states trying to get take advantage of people and just get things cheap is completely untrue. <laughs> Stealing I, all the properties. <laughs> it is it is not true. And it is completely fair to disagree with an appraisal. I mean, that's yeah. anyone in your business, you know, like it's yeah. totally fine. And if and we're, we're trying to get that fair market value. So when property owners say, hey, we don't agree, that, it's not offensive. Like, please show us, you know, comps that you have or give us give us yeah. something that we can help to justify what that fair market value is um so we do all that legwork before we even present an offer to make sure that you know we're giving the best offer um we're getting the right value and presenting a property owner with something that hopefully you know meets their expectation but when it's i mean even if it's a partial take it's still a very sensitive process because it mm -hmm. is a bad word it is an aggressive uh, approach to have to do something like that so we want to be sensitive and we always especially with this project I and mean, we've had 13 building, 13 total acquisitions mm -hmm. um, that have had relocations involved. Uh, it's definitely very sensitive. Yeah. So we want to be as um, amicable and, and work through the process as smooth as we can, especially for the relocations. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was surprised, and I obviously, I didn't, you didn't go through me to buy anything, but I was surprised um, how fair the offers were up front. I know some people weren't happy with them and there was some negotiation, yeah. but yeah. I was really surprised. Like um, I've never been so close to the, the offers and heard what the yeah. offers were. And you hear these awful nightmares of the government's coming to take yes. my property and they lowball, but it was actually fair pricing. And at times I think it was actually, don't tell my clients this, but at times <laughs> it was high. It was yeah. it blew my mind what you offered people on the first run, but 
um, I get it. You have to follow up what the fair market value is. And yep. so then, yep. all right, so you offer them, what is the timeline that it usually takes? Uh, so Kurt Weitzel gets offered for his quarter of an acre, whatever that number is. I don't like it. What's What goes from there? Or I'm not just accepting it. What happens okay. next? So from the time an offer is submitted, we have, we have to wait 30 days to before you're allowed to file for condemnation. Um, and I, I say that because while we're never wanting to rush to that end result, we also have to be sensitive of our timelines and the funding that our budget is tied to and making sure that we're staying on a schedule. So mm -hmm. there's the 30 day time period to get an offer. You don't like it. We negotiate, you know, we go through documentation. If we can't get there by that 30 day mark, depending on the project schedule, which this one was aggressive, but if we had more time and we thought we were going to get somewhere, then we would keep going. But if we knew that, okay, we are just not coming to terms, let's let uh -huh. the court decide, you know, let's just go through that process. Then there's no debate, right? It's mm -hmm. the court will rule their ruling and go through there. Um, so there's that 30 day time period. And then um, from that point, if we file, um, we plan for six months to go through that process. Oh, okay. Um, and does it typically take six months? Is that usually what it takes? It's it's typically three to four months, um, but sometimes, you know, there's there's ways it can get drug out a little bit sometimes. So yeah. that's why we plan for six months just in case there's issues with the process or um, something comes up that we're not expecting. Who usually wins when it goes to the courts? That's a, there's that's always a, a winner question. and a loser. I mean, is, do, you, do you feel like this, the property owners get more money usually when it goes to the courts or do they not usually get more money when it goes to the courts or do you have an opinion on that? Well, my, I will give a disclaimer that it's an opinion because I <laughs> don't know, I don't know the agreements that they have with their attorneys, right? So I okay. don't know what they're having to pay to hire yeah. the attorney. But sometimes I feel that um, more money is received, but that is it really more money in their pocket? Or it's going um, to the Or did it just yeah. fund the attorney get, yeah. and they got paid? I, yeah. <laughs> I that's, that's it a wash in the end. Yeah. yeah. And okay. it's honestly, it's it's a gamble. And a lot of it's just dependent because it is, again, it's all based on fair market value. And and to your point, I appreciate that you saw some of these numbers and felt that they were fair because we that's the goal. But yeah. sometimes maybe we hired appraisers that undershot the mark and that, and you know, okay, that is what it is. And then the court process comes back and ends up giving people a little more than what we had. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah. the goal is just to get that fair number, but sometimes they come back higher. Sometimes they come back lower. Yep. Um, and then, so you're rolling the dice at that part. And I, I would, I would say in Hamilton County, in my experience, it has been a roll of the dice both ways it, and never significant in any way. So it's, I, okay. you know, there's, there's always outliers, but I, I, I've never seen, you know, oh, everyone's getting a ton more money now that they went to court. I, we don't see that. Yeah. My lighting's driving me crazy. <laughs> I don't know if this will help. That doesn't help. Sorry. <laughs> okay. And we will not edit this out, by the way. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, Good. Everyone should right. know that you need to have the right lighting. I don't know. It's just a weird, it's, there's a window right here. Um, all right. So, um, all right. So they, we agree. We go to the courts. You've decided a number. Um, everybody's, it's over. Uh, then they get paid. Usually they get paid within like 30 days or some 60 days, 90 days, 100 days. What is that? 
or do you know? Uh, well, if it's through the court, like if it's through the court, we deposit money as soon as the court appointed appraisers come back with a number. So they give okay. us whatever the number is that they say we deposit it within a week. Um, mm -hmm. And then it can be the other party is entitled to withdraw that money um, either right away or sometimes you can file um, or if you don't, if you still don't agree with it, then you go to a jury trial um, and Ooh. you have a more drawn out process. I have not been through one yet. Okay. I have a feeling I might go through some here soon, so we'll see what that's like. But, um, but you just that, jinxed yourself. I know, I know. Yeah. But then that's where then it's really. I mean, you know, then you're then you're um, the ultimate number that the property owner ends up getting is in the hands of jurors. Right now, mm -hmm. it's just who knows what could happen through that yeah. uh, process. Um, but but even if you go through that, you're still entitled to withdraw the money that we've deposited. Uh, knowing that it could change because oh. the jury could come back lower. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you, you don't know. So yeah. then in that case, there's, I haven't been through that, but that's in theory, yeah. something that could happen. That would be um, awful to go spend that money. And then they say it's less. <laughs> Seems yeah. like a weird, like cart before the horse. All right. So then yeah. uh, possession. So you got, yes. you've got these people paid, you're taking their property um, or you've bought their property. We're purchasing. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, <laughs> Um, I really don't think this is a bad process. So when I say that, yeah. it just, um, I think it's, it actually went We really are good. trained not to use the word take. It is yeah. aggressive, intimidating. So we are very sensitive uh, to how we word the process. It is. That's not, that was a bad way to describe it. I apologize. Okay. So <laughs> Thank you. you've uh, made a deal with someone to buy, purchase their property at fair market value and you've closed or they've gotten their money. How long do they usually have to get out of that property? So technically there is no uh promise of additional time oh from uh, when they get paid from that's technically we okay. always we prefer to offer 90 days um if it's again depending on the timeline depending on the issues going on sometimes we condense it down to 30 days um but we are always and that's for that's the formality right it's usually the 90 day notice to vacate uh -huh. Um, or a 30 day notice if it's just property that you're moving and you're not a residential tenant or whatever's going on. Um, but we will always be as flexible as we can be on that date. So while we get yeah. those official timeframes, um, we, depending on the project schedule, we will grant extension after extension as long as it doesn't impact <clears throat> the project. Mm -hmm. So, like in Westfield on State Road 32, one sign goes up. And then another that it's the state property or whatever, you know, and then they vacate, they vacated by then. And then it just seems it stalls um, yes. because there, you're at different stages of possession or pay or whatever transactions. Yep. Um, how long is that? How long has that been going on? Or do you guess that takes from the first one you got possession of and they've moved out till when I think you're probably feel like you're about to wrap up on everything. How long has that period been? Um, so when we're about to wrap up with right-of-way acquisition? Yeah. Um, it should be, I'd say, five months all in, five mm -hmm. to six months all in. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't like them to sit by any means. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we, we want them all to be demoed in one contract together so that it's mm -hmm. not it's more expensive if you have someone come and get one, and then they come back and get one. That yeah. would pay a lot of mobilization fees. Um, but it also takes a long time to get the utilities disconnected. Um, 
And then especially here where we have, um, I, I've also worked on US 31 and a lot of those properties only had electricity because they had, you know, a well for their water and they mm -hmm. had septic systems and all that. But um, here where you're tied into all these city utilities and there's a lot more connections, um, it takes time to get those disconnects. We have to do asbestos inspections and we have to inspect to make sure we don't have endangered species that have decided to take uh, residence in the houses. Um, that so happens? We have to, we, yes. Yeah. Okay. What's an There's, endangered species that is in the um, house? Well, bats. Bats will go up. Oh, bats. If there's That's right. ever openings into the attic or anything mm -hmm. in the house, um, we got to make sure no bats have camped out. And there's also sparrows. We're not allowed to disturb sparrow nests. Hmm. Um, so if one has made a nest, then we have to wait until the babies have flown away. They move on. Okay, so you've got no endangered species. I'm always boggled by the bat thing in the, <laughs> the fall to spring or whatever, but um, you've got the sparrows gone. And then now you're, you, let's say you've got all the properties on 32 and the signs on them and you own mm -hmm. them, everybody's paid, everybody's gone. Then what do you see next? Uh, then you see contractors coming through to take them down one at a time. So will they take all the buildings down before they start with the disconnects and the utility? No, no, no. Utilities, utilities. Yeah, sorry. I was I was lumping in utility disconnect with that process. So the utilities okay. will all get disconnected first. Um, all those inspections will have taken place, and then we'll get mm -hmm. the green light for demo, and then the contractor will come out and take them out. And literally, I mean, they just scrape them all right at once. It's, it's pretty it's dramatic. It's usually an excavator, and they just smash them all together and throw them in a dumpster mm -hmm. and haul them away. I wish it was a little more. Sensitive. I don't know. It's, it's very aggressive. <laughs> well, they got to go. I mean, they got, I, mean I don't know like what else I expected uh -huh. when they do it, but it is um, it is a sight to see. When I And I know they just took some down. The developer took some, mm -hmm. um, the Wolfies and that small yep. blue building as well. So those ones already came down. But <laughs> So, okay. So then they show up and I hope you don't mind me going through all this because I it's think okay. people yep. don't, they don't, we don't know how it works. Yep. And so they show up, they tear everything down. And then once they have it all torn down, what happens next? Um, if there are basements, then you have to take out the walls of the basement and then we got to backfill up to grade because um, well, where a lot of these buildings are is where there's going to be a road. So we want to make sure there's really good material there mm -hmm. um, to build a road on top of. Um, and then once they do that, since there's going to be time between the building demos and road construction, they will have to... Um, seed the dirt and so make it for erosion control that there's not just a bunch of exposed dirt getting rained mm -hmm. on and draining everywhere um so you'll see that happen and then that's kind of the end of um demo is seeing some green grass grow and then uh utility relocations start from there so you really are when you tear the houses down you're prepping that ground for the next for the redevelop the reconstruction of it yep Yep. And so that what we see there is like the bottom or the the start to when they start building it down the road when yeah. you see that grass. Yeah. And they'll yeah. I mean they'll end up tearing that out, but because yeah. of the time in between, you have to have something there. So how much time is in between? Buildings are all gone, scraped, grass is growing. Um, are they mowing it for four years or is it like we talk in sure months? Hope not. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, the gap between that and the road work is gonna be utilities. Okay, um, so whatever it takes to move that lot. stuff, and that's and what, that's a lot of time. <laughs> what utility? And there's some exciting stuff about the utilities. What utilities are getting relocated? What does that mean? 
So all of the utilities that are on the south side of 32, since we're widening to the south, all have to move out. So above ground and below ground are all going to scoot a little further south um, to be outside of that future uh, road footprint. And um, Westfield has paid Duke to go underground with the relocation to enhance the you know beautification of the downtown. Very and, cool. Um, so that's going to be exciting because there are a lot of ugly power lines and comms lines <laughs> through downtown Westfield. So mm -hmm. um, we do also have a joint board plan. So what's really helpful is of all these comms, you got Comcast, Zeo, AT&T, Metronet, all the, you know, there's a bunch of different companies on these lines mm -hmm. um, and they have all agreed to work together in a joint board which is very helpful because sometimes if they don't want to do that, you have one person going in and then the next person comes in and then the next uh, one comes in and they hit the other one and then the other <laughs> one has to come back out and it's a whole ordeal. So when we can get them to work together, it helps everybody out. So it'll be a joint board. They all go in together in a duck bank and then they each have their own conduit lines that they uh, run in. So that'll be helpful and convenient to help streamline that process. So what are you doing during that time? When they're... We, Yep. You personally. What are you <laughs> me, personally? Yeah, me what personally. Is your, yep. Uh, when the utilities are going, we are just having progress meetings to make sure they're mm -hmm. staying on schedule. So utilities have a lot of protections of their process because they're, I mean, they're just like us. It's a public infrastructure need. They're serving the same people that we are with their services. Mm -hmm. So they have an appropriate amount of time to develop their relocation plans. And uh, when they do the relocation, they, they tell us exactly how long it's going to take and, and where they're going to be and how it's going to work. So my role during that period is to make sure that that's happening and keep okay. them on their schedule that they gave us. And if we if something comes up, then we try to help work through it to keep them on their schedule. Okay. So you're in and out of there. You're still present. Yes. You don't disappear while they do that no. construction. Okay. So now the utilities are moved. And this yes. is the exciting part. Then, yes. what then what happens? <laughs> Once the utilities are gone, we can actually build the road. Yay. Right. And that um, is a that can't that is a years-long process, isn't it? The construction alone. Yes. And unfortunately, because of our issues right now where we just have so much work coming out and we have so much restriction on labor availability mm -hmm. and competition, we are finding that we have to give more time to contractors than usual. Um, to ensure that we can, again, get competitive bids, yeah. uh, but well, even just to get bids, because right now we're getting contractors who are refusing to bid if we don't give a generous amount of time for the work to be done. Oh, really? Um, okay. And this, and this has been recent, just the past few months, where they're finally like, we're not, we're not even going to bid on this work because we can't do it in a year, and you got to, uh -huh. you have to grant more time. So, so it, we, this was definitely a one construction season job initially. Um, but depending on where the utility relocation timeline ends up falling, I've mm -hmm. already, you know, talked, we've talked internally that this is definitely going to go into 2025 to yeah. ensure that we can get a good bid and a good contractor out there to get mm -hmm. the work done. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at potentially more than a one season job. Yeah. It's just the reality of things these days, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you think... Um, how do you think that'll affect downtown? I mean, I know it's gonna be ugly, but yes. you know, as it, and I know you don't want it to have, but take a long time. But how? No. What do you think happens to a downtown? You've seen it all over um, during that construction time. What are some of the effects? Uh, it the effects is that it just people avoid the area. I mean, that's mm -hmm. and that's 
you know, we encourage, you know, detours. We want people to stay out of the work zone mm -hmm. um, and make it a safe place. But I know for the businesses, it's a huge impact to be able to, I mean, they, they want people there. And like Westfield mm -hmm. just built a, what, $30 million park there. <laughs> like yeah. they're trying yeah. to draw people there and then uh -huh. we're about to show up and even there is a short-term closure involved in the project, but most of it will still be open to traffic, but still it'll be a work zone. It'll be hectic. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to want to drive there. So, um, th and that's the biggest issue that we have is just being able to maintain functionality of a downtown mm -hmm. while still getting the road work done. Um, and I'm sure you have to weigh like complete closures to speed up the process first, keeping it open so people can still function. Well, and one thing I don't think a lot of people understand is that to keep traffic open when you're building a road, you have to, you, it costs a lot of money to build this temporary pavement. And even though it's temporary pavement, oh, yeah. 32 is on a truck route. So you're building a, a pretty substantial, you're essentially mm -hmm. building a road that you're going to tear out just to maintain traffic. Mm -hmm. So you got, I mean, there's, but we understand there's a benefit to that because of the user yeah. cost of someone who now has to drive out of their way and they're spending gas money mm -hmm. and they're, you know, it's, so we get that, which is why we, we do try to maintain traffic as much as possible. But sometimes, especially when you're in a tight downtown, there's only so much you can do. I mean, there's, yeah. you're just restricted with your space. Um, do, people so change, we, do people change their habits back pretty quickly though? Have you found that yes. once they obviously like me, I'm going to avoid 32 as my cut through, right? Yeah, but as soon as it's open, does everybody come back pretty typically? Yes, yes. they always like the, yes, they come back. <laughs> yeah, the traffic car, counts prove that too. Yes, they come right. Yeah, and that and that's like with thirty one. I remember that was probably my first uh, experience down in Carmel, like around hundred or Main Street, and I remember that some of those restaurants just had a really hard time going through that. Yeah, but it seems like it turned out to be like the greatest location if you get through it. Yes, you, know, you got to yes. get through that window. So. So what is a, what are way, what are things and resources and communication that I know people bug it at some point, it's just high maintenance, but that local businesses and people can have with stay and maybe you so that they can stay updated on things. What are good ways of communication? So I would first encourage everyone to follow in dot on social media. Um, we have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those fun things. Um, but make sure you follow the district as well. So there's NDOT and then there's NDOT Greenfield District. Um, NDOT's going to give you a lot of generic information statewide, whereas the district is going to show you projects in your area. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, our district is wide, so it's still... I wish more people followed the state's sites, but I understand there's a lot more information than they probably care to see. So then they're like, yeah. I don't want to... I don't care about this. Why am I following this? Yeah. Um, but to account for that, we already have been working with the Westfield city staff and their communications team to work on a very robust plan. Um, cool. So we're going to have a project specific website, 32connects.com. I think it's already out there. Um, that got leaked earlier per se. Um, but you can go out and um, put in your email information on the website and then you'll, you'll be on our distribution list. So then you'll, you'll get emails cool. every time we have updated info on the traffic and timing. Um, that's a great idea shifts. so that will be there but it will also be a um a site that has information specifically for businesses so we're mm -hmm. going to show hey here's the here's the updated information on a closure and here's where parking is available here's where you can tell your um tenant not tenants but your people who come to your business your patrons um mm -hmm. how to get there here's 
and we're willing to produce exhibits for specific businesses. Cool. Um, I mean, we're going to go above and beyond on this because we it's we recognize that it, the impact it has and mm-hmm. and are going to make sure we provide those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm sure you know Steve Latour. Uh, he's he's been involved in our uh, communications plan process mm-hmm. and has been a huge uh, proponent of how we're going to get that information to businesses. So I think mm-hmm. there's a monthly meeting he hosts with, for the Westfield Business Association. We're going to yeah. start going to those. Uh, John Nail and cool. I are going to go and present updates. Um, and we'll I I'm even trying to get them to use Westfield Welcome to get some events that are specifically like construction themed. And I'm like, I might be the only person that is excited about that or wants to go to that. But I think that would mm-hmm. be really fun to just have events and use that park that it's close enough that people will still be able to get to those businesses, even though there's construction going on, uh, but to still draw people and, uh, you know, keep the businesses content. Because once it's mm-hmm. done, like you said, uh, it'll be worth it. But we just got to keep nice, them sure. hanging in there. The, um, do you feel like you've been talking about this project forever? Yes. <laughs> like, do you get that one? And not just this product. Do you feel like you just talk about these products forever and ever and ever? Because it's well, just it takes so long to design uh-huh. it. And, I, <laughs> and it's frustrating because, well, so State Road 32 just east of here, right? All the way to Noblesville. Uh-huh. And that is going to be widening and adding a through lane all the way to Noblesville. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have a public involvement plan. And I, I we had our first public meeting last year where we just presented we presented the purpose and need of the project. So I don't even have plans for that. I just wanted to tell everyone, hey, this is where we are kicking off our design. Tell us what's important. And everyone's like, well, when's it going to be built? I'm like, well, it's not until like 2025. <laughs> like, it's a really far. They're like, yeah. oh, this is too early. I'm like, I know, yeah. but I want your input now because it takes me five years to get it ready. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> so, think yeah. people, and I don't know if it's from experiences, but I think because a lot of those, I remember that meeting came out i don't think a lot of people realize that you do want to have their input it, I, you, I really they may do. not get to design where all the curb cuts are right but you want their input yes and we need to know valuable. what's important to people and it does mm-hmm. and i know people feel like well you're not listening because you don't do what i say well just because we're listening we can't always do what everybody wants we have to mm-hmm. weigh everybody's interest and find the sweet yeah. spot but if you're not representing your interest then how are we going to know like how are we going to be able to factor it in and even if you don't get your best outcome, we are at least going to give you an answer and explain why a decision was made and mm-hmm. and how we would suggest to mitigate it. I mean, we're still going to respond and give, yeah. you know, come full circle with it, but we can't all get everything we ask for, right? I tell my kids that every day. Yeah, yeah. I don't give them anything they ask for. So what is, is it fun to see a project finally done? Do you enjoy yes. this enough to where oh it's gosh. neat? It is ex- I mean, finish. these are my backgrounds. Yes. So they are yeah. very exciting. <laughs> and it just yeah. so much goes into it that when you find, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just now nine years in, like actually seeing these big projects come to fruition. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, from start to finish, I'm finally getting that point where I get to see it. Yeah. It's pretty right. cool. Yeah. You know, it is funny. You mean your, you mentioned your backgrounds. I always tell everybody to watch your backgrounds and like mine's this <laughs> chaos, but I mean, at least it's not inappropriate. That's what happens. So. Yes. Yeah, that is a great background. <laughs> All right, so um, tell us something. Tell us something that you find really, really hard about your job. Oh, what's gosh. difficult about your and you, just like in West, what's been a hard part of the Westfield Thirty Two uh, project? The hardest part. Well, I would say there's two things. The 
the what I find the hardest is the relocation part mm -hmm. um, and working with property owners and businesses who are, you know, it's unfair. I mean, they're, you know, they're minding their business, operating, just living life. And then here comes in dot like, oh, you got to move. Sorry. I'm like, if someone knocked on my door today and said, mm -hmm. you got 30 days to get out, which that's not how it happens, but yeah. it's still like, that's oh the perception. Gosh, like yeah. I have to change my, I, ha I have to move now. I have to, yeah. that's a big impact on someone's business or, or their residence. And um, that's hard to work through. Um, and, and it's, it's stressful and, and, you know, we try to go above and beyond and make sure people find a new place and, and our, and it mm -hmm. works out well. Um, but then the other challenge is just explaining what I talked about before, where we have to balance competing interests. And I, you know, it's, it's a downtown project. It's a huge impact. And we recognize that entirely, but there are a lot of stakeholders on different sides of the fence, like right there's mm -hmm. there's yeah. you know there's historic groups, right, preservation mm -hmm. groups and this historic society and, and people very interested in preserving Westfield's history, and we are too by all means. I mean, we are interested in that, but then you also have you know you got the city department, you got um, like the developments coming through that are investing money in the downtown. You have property owners who have different interests. You have the parks department with their long-term plans for the downtown. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just so much different um, com comp competing interests that having to explain, like, again, no one's going to get everything they want. Yeah. <laughs> and, but and, balancing that's that tough, isn't it? Yes. And, and, yeah. and communicating it. Cause to your point, mm -hmm. Not everybody understands the intricacies behind the funding and the strings attached and the, mm -hmm. the hoops we have to jump through. Oops, sorry. Um, and okay. and so that makes it um, it just makes it difficult. And then and then you it's just a tough process to work through when they yep. don't understand why you're trying to explain to them why. Um, I don't know. You you want to yeah. feel I, I'm one of those people who is very committed to I want everything to be a win-win. Like I'm mm -hmm. you know so committed to the cause. And it's tough when there's people who just, they don't think they're getting a win and they are, yeah. you know, and you're dealing with that. Um, yeah. that's a tough so, one. okay. So what's something really cool about your job that you love about the process of all this? What is a really cool part of it? I love the outcome. Uh -huh. <laughs> I absolutely love the outcome of getting a project and improving people's lives. I mean, uh -huh. that's, that's why I do this job is because I want it like, you know, I, a lot of kids in college probably had the, like, what do I want to do in life, you know, epiphany moment. And I, yeah. I changed my major like five times, right? Like I didn't know what I wanted to do, <laughs> but I knew like the core of it was I want to help people. And there was a mm -hmm. time where I wanted to go into healthcare, but that's too gross. <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. going to do that. It is gross. But, <laughs> so, but <laughs> I wanted to help people. So this is where I get to, I get to help people. Everybody, everybody in, is impacted by the roads and transportation even if mm -hmm. you're a hermit and you never leave your house that means you use amazon and they need the roads to be able to yeah they gotta get there <laughs> yeah so to be able to impact people's lives and commutes road rage i mean you like the, imagine like people who come home every day so frustrated from a commute you fix mm -hmm. that problem you have changed that person's life i mean mm -hmm. that's pretty exciting um and when that you get the comments right back at the end of it you're like so it's not just all complaints it's not, it's not, it is a lot of complaints, but it, but we get people who are thankful uh -huh. and we're like, thank you. Like that's, that's what we do it for yeah. is to, is to have that benefit at the end of the day, but it how is you, a painful process. How do you, um, 
control yourself? I'm pretty immature, but how do you control yourself with social media and just the constant barrage of bad information? Do you just ignore it now? I mean, because there's a lot everybody, of it. Everybody tells me not to read it, but I can't help it. I read it. Uh -huh. I read every comment. If anybody yeah. watches this and wonders, <laughs> I've read what you say about inbox. And I... <laughs> I, and it hurts. You know, it hurts. It hurts. But I also understand when it comes from a place of frustration. Like, so I, yeah. you know, you kind of got to mature and realize where people are coming from with their anger to not let it be so upsetting. But sometimes people go personal, man. People go deep. And I'm like, this is, this is intense. Like, yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. And I get it. At, like, I get it because it's very emotional to them. But I also think, and you do a you do a good job of this. I think there is a responsibility, and you guys have already been proactive on this. There's a responsibility for communication to be good and the information to be yeah. shared. Yeah. And I like that you keep sharing the current information when you respond. And yeah. a lot of times it just gets ignored. And I don't think that's the way to you know. You take a bad <laughs> comment, right? And you say, "Well, here's an opportunity to share the real yeah. information," yeah. Yeah. and yeah. you're not bantering. That's instead that. of just ignoring it because i yeah. think there is a lot of good information out there and it just needs to be continually shared and um yes. ignoring and the problem I, doesn't go away i i would love for an answer to the communication problem overall because i feel like now there's just so many different ways people get information like yeah. i can have this website but if i'm if there's an elderly couple who doesn't have a computer they don't know mm -hmm. what is i'm putting out there I put things in the newspaper. Who even reads that? Like, I, you know, I know what that is. Yeah. So you try, you try to put information everywhere you can, but mm -hmm. there's still always people you're not going to reach. I mean, it's, it's tough. But yeah, I, I do. It, it takes a lot of, res, a lot of restraint sometimes. But I, mm -hmm. I do always want to try to provide accurate information and and take yeah. out the take out the emotion of it. <clears throat> And so you'll see my, you know, my personal Facebook, I'll comment on stuff just mm -hmm. to try to say like, here's where the website is. Here's where you can find the information mm -hmm. or here is what you need to know. And then that's it. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So are you on, are you doing that on TikTok too? <laughs> I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> I don't even, my daughter, my nine-year-old's asking me for TikTok. I'm like, uh -huh. I don't, I'm not, uh -huh. I'm not into that. That's so much fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you doing my podcast. I know this is, you just, re you probably feel like you repeat yourself a lot, but it's good, great information. It's fascinating to me, yes. especially since we've been talking about this for so long and to watch yes. movement, even though it doesn't seem like a lot probably to you, but yes. movement and activity, yes. we're excited. So tell uh, real quick, where can we find you? I know you've kind of covered some of it, but how do we get a hold of stuff? How do we, how do we reach out to you if you want that stuff like that? So 32connects.com. Everybody needs to go sign up for those updates. That's when the website goes live here in a few weeks, that's going to be where all of your information is. And everything that you see on any social media or anything is all going to link back to that. That's going to be the okay. home base for everything. Cool. Um, if anyone ever wants to get a hold of me directly at NDOT or NDOT in general, um, you can always contact me at jbeck at ndot.in.gov or um, we do encourage customer feedback to go through n.4u, so n.4u.com. Um, that is, our, our customer service team is really great at getting the, the question to the right person. Mm -hmm. um, and they also are really good at bugging us to make sure we respond quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's the best oh, okay. way to get timely information on something. But, if, uh, but also you can email me directly and I'm always happy mm -hmm. to help.
uh, answer questions. Can they text you? You can actually. <laughs> my my work number is my personal cell phone number. Which uh -huh. My background is even That's a road. That's awesome. You can see oh, that for a second. That's uh -huh. okay. But um, it's uh. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I I will text. All right. There's only twelve people that listen to this, so you're fine. Um, all twelve well, of cool. you text me. <laughs> yeah, and it's all my family, and they live out of state, so it's um, <laughs> no big deal. Well, thank you very much. Um, we're it's super exciting. I know there it's been a long road and it's um there's ugly times and there's a lot of you know there's just a lot of headaches with it but we appreciate all that you're doing and i think in the end it's going to be an awesome project so thank you yes thank you for having me this was fun i appreciate all right. it